You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now, here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to another episode of the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. Um, I want to begin once again by stating this show was not put together to advocate for divorce, but we are going through the scriptures to get real insight and understanding of God's view on divorce and why he established it as well. I know many people do not believe God established divorce, but when you go through the scriptures, you'll realize that uh, through the law of Moses, uh, God established divorce as a precept and i would recommend that you go back to episode two and listen to that episode entitled divorce is a precept and so on today um, there's a point that was made at the very end of episode three it's called the mistranslated word and we're going to begin with this particular thought and concept let's begin with matthew chapter five And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus made this statement, and this is down at verse 31. Matthew 5, 31, it says, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. We also have Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, we have Jesus conversing with the Pharisees. Now in Matthew 5, Jesus is talking to people that are Jewish. They're from different cities. And it identifies the audience there at the end of chapter 4. So in chapter 5, Jesus is talking to Jews as a whole. But in Matthew 19, he's specifically talking to the Pharisees. These were a group of men that had devoted their life to understanding the law of Moses. They, they lived a life of sacrifices, a life of piety. They also believed that the entire law of Moses was to be observed by all Jews and not just portions of it that was allotted to priests. So that's an interesting separation between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees felt that uh, the laws of God that pertain to priests were only to be done and executed by the priesthood, that it was not to be done by the common man. Only those called by God, anointed by God, those are part of the Levitical tribe. And so it's important that we understand those differences. Whenever Jesus spoke, and the scriptures are very clear on this, they always identified the audience. It's important that we understand who Jesus is talking to because it really changes the conversation, the complexity of the conversation. And we have to understand the culture of that time and that era as well. Um, So in Matthew 19, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and understand that they came to tempt him. It said to Jesus is verse three, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, you have you not read 
that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave mother and father and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So it's important we understand Jesus is quoting Adam in this particular response to the Pharisees. At verse 6, uh, let's go to verse 7. They said unto Jesus, his, their response to him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? At verse eight, it says, Jesus said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. Verse nine, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except to be for fornication, and shall marry another committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now we continue reading that verse 10 the disciples asked him about this particular conversation. So the thought doesn't change. It's not a change of day. It's not a change of scene. Um, it's still the same conversation that's continuing with the disciples. So they said to him in verse 10, if the cause of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. So they're saying, Jesus, if what you're explaining is true, it's better that men do not marry. At verse 11, Jesus said to them, all men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. Some are, uh, I'm sorry, verse 12, for there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb. There are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. At some point, we're going to get into this conversation because I think we kind of ignore the extenuation of this conversation. So it's important that we understand as they extended it, the conversation Jesus was explaining to the disciples. I want us to go to Mark chapter 10, verse 4. What I will notice here, because this is the same conversation from Matthew chapter 19. But in this particular uh, version, in Mark's version, there's an additional conversation there. So it's not just the disciples questioning Jesus about what he had just said. At verse 11, Jesus said to them, whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. Now here's the difference between Matthew and Mark. At verse 12, it says, and if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Now, what has been traditionally taught from the passage in Matthew 5, the passage in Matthew 19, which is the same passage in Mark chapter 10. So Matthew 19 and Mark 10 are the same, same conversation. What's been traditionally taught is that if a person divorces, and then they remarry, then they are committing adultery. So there's two things I want to look at as we're examining this passage, especially here in Mark. As Jesus added a portion that we don't find in Matthew 19, Jesus went on to say, 
about a woman that if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. So I've raised this question to several ministers. I've asked them, I said, is Jesus now permitting women to divorce their husbands based on this scripture? You're saying that if the woman uh, put away her husband, she marries another man, then she has committed adultery. Are you saying as long as she doesn't remarry, then she's in the okay? So Jesus is saying it's okay for her to put away her husband, but the problem is if she remarries. And I am yet to have a minister agree with that line of thought that Jesus is now establishing a law, a practice, a custom that allows women to now divorce their husbands. Now, just so we're clear, if you go through the law of Moses, the women were never given the right to divorce the husband. It was the husband's that were required to write the bill of divorce and place it into the hand of the woman. This is Deuteronomy chapter 24. And I think it's important that we know the law. If we're going to argue what Jesus said, what Jesus didn't say, what the Pharisees said, understand most of their conversations revolved around the law of Moses. But most people are not familiar with the law, but they want to argue what, uh, about what Jesus was establishing what Jesus was actually saying, but they don't know what changes were being made or what was being addressed. So let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 24. At verse one, it says, when a man hath taken a wife and married her. So we're talking about a marriage has occurred between a husband and wife. It comes to pass that she finds no favor in his sight or in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her. Then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. So now Moses is establishing the concept of divorce. And the practice that it was established was that the husband was required to give her a bill of divorce. He had to place it in his wife's hand. Now, if you do some studying, what you'll realize is that this is not a simple process. They're not at home arguing, bickering. The husband decides to send her away and he pulls out some paper, jots some information down. Most people don't give a thought to the process. I understand that what I'm writing, the book, The, the Divorced Christian, is about those of us that have experienced divorce. But we understand in our experience that we had to go fill out some paperwork, but it was done with the court. Or you were served, possibly, by a U.S. Marshal, but there's a process to this whole experience. So it's not two people arguing and saying, well, now we're divorced. When our experience, we have to go stand before a judge. It's a legal process required to bring the marriage to an end. It's the same with Jewish culture. They had to take this to the rabbi and then they were required to ha have a bill of divorce written out for them. I will not take the time today, but it's important you understand this, because at some point we'll really sit down and go through this to explain it to you. That the bill of divorce was based on the marriage contract. 
So you can't simply just go to them and say, we're divorced, bye, I'll see you later, see you later, and that's the end of the marriage. No. They had to bring their marriage contract to the rabbi, and then they would go through a court proceeding to decide basically who would be awarded what based on this agreement written in their marriage contract. Then one of the scribes would write out the bill of divorce. He would place it into the hand of the man who was now required to place it into the hand of the woman. So it's important that we understand these cultural truths. This was the process. So we find no example in the scriptures of the woman divorcing the husband. That was not Jewish law. That was not Jewish culture. So once again, the question was, is Jesus establishing the woman's right to now divorce her husband? Because if we teach it the way that we've traditionally taught this passage, that is what we're saying. Jesus gave women the right to divorce. Now, I'm not going to debate that. I throw that out there because I need people to think about what they're saying when they say, well, if a woman gets divorced, then she can't remarry. Well, are you saying that Jesus established this practice, something different among the Jewish people with this teaching? The answer would be false. It is not true. Jesus was not establishing the woman's right to divorce her husband. But if we teach it the way we've been teaching it, then we have to say that statement is true. Jesus finally gave women the right to get divorced. So this is where the problem lies. So let's go back to what I taught on last week. We got to go back to Matthew chapter five. When he first makes this statement, remember, Mark 10 and Mark 19 is the same conversation. But in Matthew 5 is the first time we hear Jesus even mention this concept of divorce. But what he said at verse 17, now mind you, the statement Jesus made regarding divorce was at verse 31. But this is all one conversation. So let's go back to the teaching that Jesus said before he gets to the concept of divorce. He began by explaining to them, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. That's verse 17. So I don't know why we're teaching that then Jesus turned around and changed the law of Moses. That's basically what we're saying if we continue to teach traditional teachings. Jesus was very clear, very adamant. Think not that I came or I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And maybe I'll do a teaching on how he fulfilled the law of Moses. But understand, in, her, in Jesus fulfilling the law, he never made a change. A few passages later, verse 22 Actually, let's go to verse 28, verse 28. So at verse 17, he says, I didn't come to change the law. At verse 28, he says, but whosoever looks on a woman with lust in their heart hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. But that's not a change to the law of Moses. If anything, you could say that's an addition, possibly. But there's no reason for that law to be written when it's really just revelation, understanding how God views adultery. 
He doesn't wait for the action to be taken. He doesn't wait for the deed to be committed, but he's looking at the heart of man and he's seeing lust in, the, in their hearts and in their mind. And it goes both ways, not just a man looking at the woman, but also women looking at men and vice versa. And he's judging the heart. So he's not waiting for an action to be committed. So Jesus is pro- providing this revelation to the people of Israel, but this is not a change to the law of Moses. It's spiritual insight. It is spiritual understanding. It's understanding that God judges the hearts. And we see this thing consistently throughout the scripture. From Genesis to the book of Revelation, God judges the heart. He's not worried about the external. And so many time and effort, so much time. An effort is put on the external. Let me do the right thing. Let me say the right thing. And when the whole lesson is, if you get the inside fix, then you automatically do and, do and say the right things. There's no need to fake it. There's no need to go through a checklist to figure out what was the appropriate response. Did I respond in love? Let me respond in kindness. Let me be gentle. Let me be long-suffering. No. If we fix the heart, that's the only thing that could come out of me. I can't be angry with you. I can't, I can't, uh, or, or, or let me say it this way. I can't hold my anger against you because anger is not a sin. He said, be angry and sin not. So that's just a normal response, but I have to let it go because there's something on the inside of me that just won't allow me to still be mad with you. My heart's been changed. My mind has been changed. But once the inside have been dealt with, it changes the outside. But my point is, when Jesus made this statement, this is verse 28, it's not a change to the law of Moses. Looking on a woman to lust after her is adultery, but it's not a change to the law of Moses. So let's go back to Mark chapter 10 at verse 12 so we understand what Jesus was saying. If a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. But what we've taught is the woman divorces her husband and she marries another man. So this is adultery in God's eyes. So let's get this corrected. I encourage you to purchase a concordance. If you are computer savvy, you can go right on Google or any of these uh, search engines, type in concordance, and you can look these passages up for yourself. For now, just trust my word, but I'm going to pull the concordance up so that we understand what Jesus really said. And once again, as I mentioned in last week's teaching, the mistake is in the mistranslation of a word. We see this term here, put away. If a woman shall put away her husband. Now, some Bible translations use the word divorce. There are several translations. If a woman divorces her husband, and this is where people start and stop, and they say, the Bible says, but did you take, take the time to search? Did you take the time to dig? As I mentioned in the very first episode, David was the one that didn't just receive it because you said it. He said, I got to dig to find truth. I'm not going to just sacrifice animals because that's a requirement. David said there has to be something more to this. 
And as he began to dig and search, the heart of God began to be revealed to him. And he comes to this understanding, a moment of enlightenment and realize God never desired sacrifice. He didn't want the blood of animals. He wanted man's hearts. But because of this, David had access behind the veil, access into the heart and mind of God. He had a New Testament experience while still being under the Old Testament. It's absolutely incredible. But many of us just read what's there at and take it at face value. And then we do these deep teachings and we're completely off. So we just take the time to look some of these words up in the concordance. What you'll find is the concept of the word put away. It's not a term that we use today. We don't ever say put away. Uh, a, a guy put away his girlfriend. A man put away his wife. We don't talk like that today. So if you take the time and look this word up, because some translations have the word divorce. But even in those translations, if you go to the concordance, you'll find they all use the same word. It's a polio. The concept for a polio is what the same concept that we use today for separate. If you look the word of a polio is actually translated to set free. That's the definition. A polio means to set free. Second definition means to let go. It means to dismiss, to detain no longer. It means to bid depart. It means to send away. It means to release. You understand the concept. It's the concept of separation, not the concept of divorce. But let's go back to what God established through Moses. The husbands were putting away their wives. They were separating from their wives, but they were not writing a bill of divorce. So at this point, Starting with Moses, this is not a foreign concept. It was not a foreign nation. It wasn't a pagan nation around them that was using this practice where God said, I don't want you to do what they're doing. No, he said there in Deuteronomy chapter 24, this is what you're going to start doing. When you put away your wife, then I want you to write her a bill of divorce. Now, God institutes divorce through the law of Moses, because all they were doing was putting them away, a polio. They were separating. And God is now saying to them through Jesus, separation is not enough. Putting them away is not enough. Yes, you departed. Yes, you were released. Yes, you were sent on your way, but you are still married. You are still bound to each other until you observe the law established by God, which is what you have to have a bill of divorce. Without that, the woman was not permitted to marry. He could not go to the rabbi and say, I'm going to get married. He would say to her, were you married before? Yes, I was. Where's your bill of divorce? Bring me the bill of divorce and then we'll, we'll marry the two of you. But in the meantime, you are still bound to your husband. You're not a free woman. So let's now apply our word apolio or the concept that we're familiar with separate and plug it into this sentence or into this, this scripture here. Mark 10 verse 12. If a woman shall separate from her husband and be married to another 
he committeth adultery. That makes perfect sense. Jesus was not establishing a new law. He was not establishing a new practice. He was not establishing a new custom. He was making women aware that if you decide to leave your husband, you are not free. You're not a free woman. You can't go in and be with whoever you decide because you are still under the laws of marriage. Until that is broken through a divorcement, then you have to go and reconcile with your husband or you need to get that bill of divorce for him so that you can be now free and move on. So let me read this passage again, because what I want you to realize is no divorce has occurred. If a woman shall separate from her husband, if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another. See, there was no divorce. And this is what the problem is. But because of the mistranslated word, which depends on which translation you're using right now, I'm reading from the King James version. So the King James uses the word put away. But in other versions, they use the word divorce. And this is where the mis uh, the misteachings, the the erroneous teachings have come from, because we're saying this is what the Bible says. This is what's written. It is what's written, but it's mistranslated. So I encourage you, me as a teacher of the, the scriptures, I always go to those root words. Not only do I look that word up, sometimes I'll go, if two words are compound, I'll look up both of the compound words. I'll examine it in, in light of other scriptures so I can have a full understanding of what the scriptures mean. I also study out uh, Jewish law, Jewish history, Jewish culture. I also look into Roman culture, Roman laws, because they were under the Roman government. I mean, it's, it's so much more than just reading the Bible and saying this is what the Bible says or saying this is how God feels. You also have to look at it in light of all the other scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and look at it as a whole. Thank you for joining us on today. Please visit the website, thedivorcechristian.com. Be blessed. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.